Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture, BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello, and welcome back to the Food Therapy Podcast. Today, we are joined by Nicole Espini, who is currently a graduate student and dietetic intern who will be graduating in December to pursue her license as a registered dietitian. Nicole strives to help women who struggle with orthorexia and restriction due to her own experience with disordered eating as a D1 collegiate athlete, now in her private practice, Expedition Nutrition. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. We are so excited to have a chat today. I think one of the biggest things is how our education as future dietitians, as dietitians is very weight centric. So we wanted to dive into that. Brittany and I, I mean, it's been quite a few years since we've been through our education. So I'm curious to see how it's changed. Now you have to have your master's. Uh, I don't have my master's. Do you, Brittany? You do, right? But yeah. I didn't have so mine. Right, right. So you can become a dietitian either. Well, before it was an, a bachelor's degree or a master's. And now it sounds like you have to get a master's degree. Is that yes. true? Yeah. In, December, in January of next year, you have to have your master's. Okay. Yeah. So I think I get grandfathered in. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> but we're going to chat all the things. Um, but why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Who are you? How did you get here? Tell us all the things. Yeah. So I am Nicole. Um, like Lauren said, I'm currently a grad student and a dietetic intern. Um, I'm doing my program. It's a coordinated program. So it's through the university of Alabama at Birmingham. Um, and it's their dietitian education graduate certificate program. So basically the coordinated program couples the master's degree with the dietetic internship. So it's like a two and a half year program, kind of like fast tracking you to the RD exam. So I'll graduate in December, which I'm super excited about, and I can finally get credentialed. So it's been a long road up until now. So yeah, um, I think Lauren, I don't know if she mentioned, I was born and raised outside of Philly in, in Pennsylvania moved down to North Carolina in 2020 after I graduated. Um, I graduated my undergrad from Colgate University in the height of COVID, which was quite the time to be alive. Um, I played D1 softball there. So I played all four years. Um, I was a captain on the team. Um, and then I graduated with my Bachelor of Arts degree in Psych Sciences. So fun fact, I was on the pre-med track to start. And then I, I switched to psych sophomore year, which is like funny to think about now, because looking back on it, I just needed all those bio classes and chem classes to as prereqs to get into grad school. So I had to take a year after I graduated to take all those classes anyway. But the psych degree couples really well with uh, my interest in eating disorders and disordered eating. So I think it goes, goes really well together. And then during college, I would say like between sophomore and junior year, 
that's when um, I had a season ending injury sophomore season. So summer going into junior year, um, I was navigating disordered eating, uh, orthorexia, like body dysmorphia all on my own. Um, like super obsessed with my macros, with the scales, like super rigid exercise routine, all while balancing softball um, and this D1 sport. So so that was kind of um, like a brief story of my experiences in college. And then I remember one day really vividly where things in my brain kind of clicked that like maybe I need help. Um, it was junior year and I... I would go run and go to the sauna on top of softball practices, lifts, conditionings, literally just to burn more calories, which is like really sad to think back on. But one morning I remember being in the sauna and just feeling like I was going to pass out or like throw up. So I literally like crawled into the bathroom across the hallway and just had to sit on the floor, like hugging the toilet for a solid 30 minutes before I could feel human enough to like, get myself up and I had a hitting slot 30 minutes after. So I think in that moment, that's, that's kind of, that was like the turning point for me mentally when I was like, okay, I think something is actually like wrong. I should kind of, you know, make some kind of a change. Um, so I never officially reached out for help and I'm not proud of that, but I was, it was really scary. And like, I was just too prideful and afraid to ask for help. So long story short, I healed my broken relationship with food and my body on my own, just doing a bunch of research. Um, and intuitive eating is basically like what saved me. Um, and that's what catalyzed my interest in what I do now. So, um, I think Lauren said before, but now, um, I aspire to reach others who are going through similar struggles. So, um, people who struggle with orthorexia restriction, uh, I help them to push back on diet culture, perfectionism, that black and white thinking around food and exercise. And I use intuitive eating as the backbone of my practice. So, yeah. And then I just started my business like three months ago, um, like officially started it. So that's really exciting. So I'm navigating entrepreneurship, school, and just life. And it's a lot, but it's been fun. <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you for sharing. And what's also interesting too, and I'm I'm curious to hear your experience in school and you know what you learned, but it sounds like you it was your healing of your relationship with food that kind of brought you into dietetics. Whereas Lauren and I and so many other RDs that I know, it was their, you know, obsession with food, their disordered relationship with food that drew them to the field of dietetics. So I'm so curious to hear what your experience has been like, you know, being in school, um, you know, was there any education around eating disorders or was it more your personal experience that brought you um, to this space? Yeah, I would say definitely, definitely personal experience. Like in my undergrad, we in my undergrad education, I, we never talked about eating disorders. I also, my university, we didn't have like super focused majors. So like nutrition classes weren't a thing they weren't offered. So, um, yeah, I would say definitely like personal experience is what drew me to this, uh, profession for sure. Love that. So I want to talk a little bit about the schooling 
that it's taken for you to get to this point. So we said a little bit about how like you have to have a master's now. I think you said what, January of 2024, um, which mm-hmm. I believe used to be, I think they pushed it out a little bit, but either way. Maybe because of COVID they pushed uh, it out. Probably. Yeah. yeah. But in terms of your schooling, did you learn anything? Was there anything taught about intuitive eating? Was anything even touched on? Like I know personally in my schooling, I didn't have I had no idea what intuitive eating even was until I wanted to like go into private practice. Um, and from people that I followed on Instagram and whatnot, how did you originally, do you feel like your schooling was mainly weight centric or maybe like more clinical or what is your totally? Yeah. yeah, totally weight centric. Um, I think it's cool. So before I was accepted into my grad program, I was like fully recovered. So I was able to step into this new education with just more like wisdom and knowledge around red flags with disordered eating. And basically like I was just able to pick up more on weight centric red flags. So a lot of my textbooks were like super dated. So very much stuck in like the traditional anthropometric BMI numbers, clinical, like all that like hard I don't know. I like to kind of think of it as like hard science almost. Um, it, it was very much so we were being fed that kind of education. Um, and I don't know. It's just, it's, I never, we were never offered any classes centered around intuitive eating, not even eating disorders. Like it wasn't even, wasn't yeah. even an option. It, it was just like the nutrition care process for the clinical setting which right. is great. Like that it's, it's really great. Um, I'm personally someone that's not interested in the clinical setting. So for those that are, it's super important. You have to know that stuff, but, um, and even for private practice, you have to know that stuff, but yeah, it just felt, it felt almost like I was in the wrong for wanting to go into the space that I'm choosing to pursue just because it was like, everyone is just kind of expected to work in a hospital right out of school. Yeah. And that's like, it's so true. And that's what a lot of these programs and internships are, you know, kind of built on is let's give you the clinical skills, you know, look at labs for kidney failure and what's like a renal diet and kind of send you on your way. And what's so fascinating is like at my program, we also had no education on eating disorders. And I remember there was one class that was offered and it was taken away. It wasn't even an option when I was there. So there was zero class on eating disorders. We actually had one class with one of my favorite professors. It was on like life cycles. And in that class, we had learned about division of responsibility, Ellen Satter, which parts of that can definitely be, you know, you can see some correlation between that and intuitive eating. And I remember like learning about being like, this is so strange to give kids, you know, this much kind of autonomy over food, but it find it really upsetting and you know, really detrimental that regardless of what field of dietetics we're going into, we should all at least be able to identify an eating disorder. It is so rampant. It's not just, oh, I have an active eating disorder. I'm going to an eating disorder dietitian. It could be someone coming to you for weight loss. It could be, you know, somebody who has high cholesterol. It could be anyone. And it's, you know, it's really unfortunate that our field is not 
catching up to what is going on in the world, which is a global prevalence of disordered eating and eating disorders. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that like, it's so deeply, our education is so deeply rooted in weight stigma and fat phobia. Um, so yeah, that's, I can go on and on, but it's, it's a problem. Yeah. I think too, like the, I will say the closest thing that we had to education on eating disorders was a motivational interviewing class. Um, mm. it was nutrition counseling and education. I think that was the name of it. That was definitely, and that was my favorite class thinking back, but we talked about like how to counsel. It was more of like relationships with your clients or your patients versus like diagnosing and more of that clinical stuff. And then I also remember we had a guest speaker. I don't know if you guys, do you guys know Amy Geis or if you follow her on Instagram? Yeah. So she came, she's great. She came and guest spoke for our cohort and um, she just presented on eating disorders. Like she presented basic info about eating disorders and also like social determinants of health. She, I saved her presentation because it was amazing. And I remember after I was like, nearly crying because it meant so much that we finally talked about eating disorders, even though it was only for an hour out of the entire two and a half years of the program. Like it was like, wow, we finally spoke about this. Like it's not, I don't know why people are shying away from it. It's, it shows up in hospitals. It shows up with, you know, it's just so, it's so, so common. I actually, I have a really good quote that I wrote down recently. I was reading Sick Enough. Mm. You read that, but in it, it she said, patients with eating disorders come to be perceived as too mentally ill for the medical professionals and too medically compromised for mental health professionals. And they fall through the cracks. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so perfectly said because it's like, it's a mental health disorder. It's a condition. And yet it's, you know, a lot of doctors don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to identify it. Like I was speaking with one of my friends who works with eating disorders and she was speaking with a pediatrician and the pediatrician was like, huh, yeah, I didn't even notice that the, you know, the patient lost all this weight. And my friend who's a dietitian was like, she has an eating disorder. And this doctor was like looking for all these other reasons as to why this person had lost weight, you know, checking for celiac disease. And it's so obvious. It's so glaringly apparent and yet it's just falling through the cracks everywhere and dietitians mm-hmm. should be the ones that sit under that crack to catch them but a lot of times they're struggling with their own disordered behaviors and or don't have the education to feel confident to actually treat or help i mean obviously we don't treat or diagnose or whatever but bottom line we should be taught these things i mean I can't even imagine, like, I didn't even recover fully from my disordered eating until I was like in my internship. And I realized that in order to be a dietitian, I didn't need to be a perfect eater. I didn't need to look a certain way. And that could have all happened much earlier had the education in my program talked about these things, right? Like, there should literally be a class in our curriculum that talks about like signs of eating disorders, how to heal from them, how to, you know, counsel them. Like it should be a whole freaking, what do they call them? Competency. And at the very least, identify. Like I will never forget in my nutrition, intro to nutrition class, we had to document and journal three days of eating. 
And at the top of my paper, my teacher wrote, you're eating too little. And I so wish that she had pulled me to the side because we had a really nice relationship. And she, I wish she would have been like, is everything okay? But in my mind, I'm like, what's too little about that? And I'm not going to name the number, but it was mm-hmm. way too little. And, you know, that was just like what I thought I was supposed to do. I think as, as RD to Bs, as dietetic students, we take on this like identity of like, I am supposed to be like the expert in nutrition. Like I should be teaching everyone around me about nutrition. And there's so much pressure to look the part, to act the part. Um, and I think as you begin to heal and you realize like, you know what, I, I have a lot of information, but you're actually the expert as the client. I'm not the expert of your body. You're the expert of your body. But unfortunately, you know, a lot of dietitians are taught that you are the expert, you know, everything when it comes to food and nutrition. Definitely. So we recently had a study come out or it's not even a study. I think it was a meta-analysis, right? So mm-hmm. that means that it's not just one research study. It's a compilation of a bunch of different studies that have been done in order to come to a conclusion. And that came out and it reported that up to 89% of nutrition dietetic students have orthorexia. And Nicole was just saying too, that in part of that meta-analysis, there was a piece of it that 100% of people, what did it say, have disordered behaviors? I think it was like, yeah, 89% orthorexia, 18% had an eating disorder at some point in their life, and then 100% experienced symptoms associated with disordered eating. Mm. Yeah. And it also mentioned how a lot of the diet, a lot of the students did not have good body image or did not have a healthy body image. And it goes into in that paper the impact that has on like internalized weight stigma, because if you're feeling that way about your body. How are you then engaging with your patients or your clients who come in? So that's like another interesting piece too. And there's definitely a lot of weight stigma in dietetics along with like our entire medical field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And how many people like, I, I'm so curious too, like obviously the nutrition dietetic students, it's a very concentrated space of people who struggle with nutrition and food and body image and all the things. Um, But I'm curious what that statistic in general is just for women, because that's probably super high too, you know, just because of the way that we're pressured to look a certain way, be a certain way, etc. So it's like, is it nutrition and dietetics? probably yes there's a component of that but like how much of that is also just in general women because the majority of the nutrition and dietetic field is also women yeah. so um, that's that's interesting yeah i yeah i would say like 90 percent of my program there's like two men in my program i think same um but yeah i even would i would even like to see the stats for the men because mm-hmm. i feel like men fall through the cracks even more yeah. than women um and anyone yeah. those identities um mm-hmm. especially if you don't kind of fit the picture of somebody with an eating disorder but lauren cadillac actually wrote on the because i put up a post about that study and she said not surprising also wasn't it shown that 75 percent of women have disordered eating patterns as is like outside of the dietetics field and that also is you know something that's pretty problematic too, because I think what a lot of times people view it as healthy eating, 
you know, you're so dedicated, you're so, you have so much willpower. And in fact, it's like actually just very disordered, but until Mm -hmm. you're out of it, you don't see that. You just view it as like, oh, wow, you're such a health eater. I'm so jealous of you. Like, how do you, you know, how are you so disciplined? Yeah. Because you're so hyper-focused on it that you can't get out of that headspace. Um, yeah. And I just think like those numbers show and it, those numbers make me so sad, but also angry. Cause it's like, this is hard evidence that first of all, disordered eating and eating disorders are so common. And second of all, we need people in this, more people in this profession that can help people like this. So why are we not talking about it more in school? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what gets me going. It's just mind boggling to me. Like, I, like, why not? It's so, it's so bizarre. Um, and I think, well, I'm curious, Nicole, your experience, but like when I think back to my, I, I studied undergrad as in nutrition and dietetics. And when I think back to like my friends in the field, like we were all, it's just crazy. Like I remember at one point saying to one of my friends, like, I like if I ever gain weight in the future, like that's going to be a problem because I literally couldn't eat any better or any healthier. She's like, same, like there's literally no way. Like we, I hope we never gain weight. Like just so many conversations I think back to that. I'm like, how did we not see this? And two of my friends from Delaware that were in my program at the time, like you're in such a tunnel vision that like, this is the way, this is how you eat. This is all the things. And two of them now are also private practice owners um, or work in private practice in eating disorders, intuitive eating. And it's like, to me in in college, they seem so normal. They were just like me. We just Mm -hmm. obsessed over food because we were in nutrition and dietetics. And we had conversations like, oh, I just don't get how people don't think about food all the time. Like, how do they not do that? Like, that's so bizarre, you know? And now Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's, it's crazy to think back. Did you have any of those experiences with people in your programs? Yeah, I think, um, I think now some of the people in my program that have expressed like the few people that have expressed interest in eating disorder, um, whether it's private practice or just like eating the eating disorder field, even though they show interest in that, it's like, they still show disordered eating behaviors themselves just through social media and like um I don't know just just kind of observing it's interesting to see like it's great that the passion is there but then it's like you still have so much work to do too and we all do right but like it's just it's hard and I think I always think too like well why aren't we being taught about this more and I think Lauren, you might've said this earlier or something along the same lines, but I think it's just because it's harder to teach than it is to teach like those hard facts. It's more gray. It's more complicated. You don't know how to pinpoint the cause of it all the time. They're very complex cases, very like overlapping with mental health. Um, It's just not as black and white uh, as being like calculating tube feeding formulas and just things that you would do in the clinical setting. Um, so I think that in programs like the program that I'm in and just dietetic programs in general, just having more collaborative discussions, open discussions about 
eating disorders. Disordered eating is what we have to do. Less projects, more just like open conversations about it because a lot of the people that are struggling themselves in the fields probably don't feel like they can open up about it or don't want to open up about it because they're supposed to be the experts. I also think another interesting thing is just like scope of practice. And I'm part of several dietitian groups on Facebook. I feel like this is like the only reason I use Facebook, but I'm part of like some really great groups on Facebook. And one of them is not a weight-inclusive anti-diet space. It's like for dietitians who practice in all parts of the field of dietetics. And something that I come across often is a lot of those dietitians who are not working with eating disorders and disordered eating feel like a lot of us, as in the, the practitioners who are working in this space, are going outside of our scope. They're like, why are you talking about body image with your clients? Why are you discussing relationship with food and and as a more like therapeutic relationship? And the truth is, I understand if you haven't done any further training, if you haven't done any supervision, any continuous education based on what we had learned in school, but I can speak for myself. I do a ton of additional education to the point where Almost everything I I practice now is not what I learned in grad school. It's from coursework, post um, grad school. It's from supervision, and it's important to, you know, it's important for for practitioners to really think about how you want to practice and what does that include. And if someone's just planning to go into a clinical setting and you know really sticking within the scope of dietetics, that's great. But I think it's also important to recognize that we should all be doing supervision. We should all be collaborating with other providers because that's how we become better at our jobs. And we can just, you know, better support our clients in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'll say too, like, so the way that my program is structured is basically it's great. They try to expose you in the clinical rotation. And it's not all of them are clinical, but in the internship rotations. I think there's seven total for like a month or two months each. Um, they just try to expose you to like all the different avenues that you could go down with this credential because you can, there's a lot of freedom with becoming a registered dietitian, which is super cool. Um, but I feel, I feel really lucky to have been given the flexibility to be able to choose my own rotation. So like I structured mine in a way where I would get the eating disorder treatment counseling one-on-one experience a lot more. Um, like in my first rotation, it was also, it was an outpatient private practice, but I'm, I'm working under Lauren right now too, for my rotation, which is cool. So the first one I had was a little different because that RD's patients were like in the height of their eating disorders. So with her, it was cool. Cause I got to see the multidisciplinary team, like with the therapist and the patient's like primary care providers. Um, so it really has opened my eyes to like how many people can help individuals that are struggling with disordered eating, eating disorders. Um, yeah. So I think that's been really cool. It's nice that you've had that flexibility because a lot of I mean, my internship was all clinical and I really did love it. I learned so much in the clinical aspect, but did nothing for me really for practice. So 
Um, I think you have a really, it's nice that you're able to have that flexibility and uniqueness in your program, but this has been amazing. I'm curious what you would say to someone who is either thinking about taking the nutrition and dietetics route, wants to potentially be an RD. um, What would your advice to them be? Yeah, I would say go after what you feel most passionate about in the field. So even if it's like the harder route, if you want to go private practice, start your own business, even if that might take longer, like do it because at the end of the day, you want to be helping people and like doing the work that lights you up the most because you won't be putting your best self out there and giving it your all if you're not in a space that completely just lights you up. Um, And yeah, like I was saying before, we're super lucky to be in the dietetics field that has so many avenues that you can choose from. Um, So yeah, I would say go with your passion. When you're in school, don't be afraid to stand out or ask questions. Don't be afraid to push back on what you're being taught and kind of like a little cliche, but stand up for what you believe in. If, if, you know, there is a red flag in one of the textbooks that you're reading, like ask a question about it because chances are a lot of your peers read it and thought the same thing. So yeah. So that's my little piece of advice. Love that. Yeah. I think it's so important. I love that you said, go after what you're passionate about because that rings true so much for me when I first started my practice. I was like, well, I got to create my own income here and weight loss makes money. And that was something that crossed my mind of like, what type of practice do I start? And my first business coach was like, well, what would make you feel more fulfilled? To see someone heal the way you have or to see someone lose weight? And I was like, heal the way I have. And that led me to be so much more successful in that because of my past, because of my passion, all of those things. So I think that's such great advice. Go with your gut, go with your intuition, go with your passion, um, because it's going to take you so much farther for so much longer. And to add one more to that, find something that aligns with your values. Mm -hmm. And I think when, you know, when I first came into this field, I wanted to work with weight loss patients. And part of that was because I was still very much in my own disordered relationship with food. And as I began to get clarity in my relationship with food, I realized that I no longer was feeling aligned with weight loss work. And then obviously, as I got deeper and deeper into learning about weight stigma and fat bias and, you know, the social justice aspect of it, there is no way I could ever return to doing that type of work. There isn't, I would sooner leave and go to another career than ever go back to weight loss. So really figuring out like, what are your core values? What makes you happy? What do you truly believe in? And finding work that aligns with that. Amazing. Love that. All right, Nicole, where can people find you, chat with you, work with you? Yeah. Instagram is kind of where it's at right now for me. So expedition.nutrition is my handle. Um, And yeah, I have a link tree in my bio. If you are interested in working with me, I post about my program, my business, my story. So Instagram is where it's at for me. Amazing. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.